Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Let us pray. Gracious and, gracious and loving God. Let me try that one more time. Gracious and loving God, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts and minds will be pleasing and acceptable unto thee, our guide and our destination. Amen. We have a... We are still trying to learn how to use this new microphone. At some point, it will work. <laughs> Be patient, people of God. But if it cuts out too much, I'll switch to the other one. Should I, should I switch to the other one, you think, or is it going to? Okay, we'll just keep trying it. This, this gospel lesson today is about the first time that Nathaniel and Jesus meet one another. I am not a Nathaniel. I was not named after Nathaniel. My name is Nathan my birth certificate, it says Nathan. It was important to my parents uh, that I was a Nathan and not a Nathaniel. Nathan is an entirely different character from the Bible. He is from the Old Testament. Uh, Nathaniel is also known as Bartholomew elsewhere in the, in the Bible. And he is an interesting character. Today in the Gospel of John, Nathaniel steps into a role that any one of us could occupy in the Bible story. Nathaniel is told by his, one of his best friends, Philip, that the rabbi that he is going to meet is not just any rabbi, he is the Messiah, son of God. And what's more, he comes from a town called Nazareth. And Nathaniel already knows everything about Nazareth. And one of the things that he knows about Nazareth is that there is absolutely no way the Messiah is going to come from Nazareth. It's a backwater. The people who are there are not educated. They are not elites. They don't represent the wisest people in the country. No, clearly the Messiah would come from Jerusalem. He would come from the great towering schools of the Pharisees, of the scribes. He would come out of the temple cult. He would come out of uh, at least uh, an accredited institution of some kind. Definitely not Nazareth. He jokes, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip says to him, just come and see. Jesus is entirely aware of Nathanael's bias against Nazareth. Then he jokes with him. He says, uh, when he first meets uh, Nathanael, he says, hey, here's, a, here's an upstanding guy. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deception. Nathanael makes an, assum Nathanael makes an assumption. And we all know that the first rule of Assumption Club is, uh, well, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> assumptions. We have a really fancy word for assumptions that we use in seminary and in scripture study. We tend to call them heuristics. Heuristic. I shared a heuristic with my class this morning. <coughs> I said, if you're going to the airport and you walk past a, 
a bathroom and you see a cart out in front of the bathroom with a mop and a broom and there's a yellow sign in front of the bathroom door, you assume, of course, the bathroom is on fire. You assume there's a janitor in there cleaning it. You have no earthly evidence that there's a janitor in that bathroom, but you make that assumption. You have a heuristic. Nathaniel has a heuristic about Nazareth and the people who are from Nazareth. The great uh, author Douglas Adams says, the hardest assumption to challenge is the one that you don't even know you're making. I wonder what kinds of assumptions we make in our day-to-day lives. I know we do. People make assumptions about me all the time, especially when I'm out wearing this thing, walking around. Uh, I make assumptions about people based on uh, their ability to drive in the winter. (laughs) I might assume they're not from around here. We say, assume the best, but we don't. We make assumptions about people based on their education or lack thereof. Some of the worst assumptions we make about people are based on their age. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. We assume uh, that because a person is uh, older or younger, that, uh, that they'll never be our best friend. Or we assume that they uh, don't have anything to teach us. I put the kids front and center all the time. I think that we assume things about children based on their age. I was at a funeral yesterday a UCC minister, kind of a towering figure, the Reverend Dr. David Lee Smith, passed away. And uh, there were about 20 people that stood up to speak. And I was thinking about this text in this sermon. And I tried to analyze my assumptions. You know, there were many ordained ministers who came up to say many things about David and about the Bible about our faith, even a few of them uh, so bold as to say a few things about what happens after we die. Some pretty strong assumptions at work there. And then a 15-year-old boy stood up and uh, he said something that knocked me out of my shoes. He said that, uh, that his grandfather was the most important male presence in his life. And that now he would have to spend the rest of his life trying to be that for someone else. I assumed a lot of things about this teenager when he stepped into that pulpit. He was following on the footsteps of some really important ministers. Guys with a lot of letters after their names. There was this high school kid. I paid close attention to my assumptions. We assume way too much. We're in a hurry. We don't have time to analyze all of our thoughts. We assume that, uh, we assume that, uh, that we've got a good handle on what's actually happening out there in the world. Uh, we assume that we know more than we do. The hardest assumptions to challenge are the ones that you don't know that you're making. In the progressive churches, we have a lot of assumptions about the conservative churches. I think in the conservative churches, they've got a lot of assumptions about the progressive churches. 
We assume things about celebrities, about their lives, or we assume things about politicians and their lives. We assume things about people who are wealthier than we are. And we assume a lot about people who are poorer than we are. I've spent the last 15 years of my professional career trying to convince churches that they shouldn't assume things about the poor. Uh, I don't understand why, but a lot of Americans assume that people are poor because of personal choices that they've made. Hmm. Nothing could be further from the truth. People assume that people are poor because they have a character flaw. Jesus Christ was poor. Not to put too fine a point on it. Would you say that to Jesus Christ? Would you assume that his poverty is because he made poor choices? I think I would be too embarrassed and ashamed to say that. But we say this of the poor. We assume that poor people are dangerous sometimes, but nothing could be further from the truth. We assume that poor people have uh, mental disorders. Well, statistics don't bear that out. That's just something we assume. We assume that poor people are violent. People who are homeless, people who live on the streets, who sleep rough, commit violent crimes at less than one half the rate of the housed population. So to be clear, you're actually twice as safe <clears throat> around homeless people than you are around people who aren't homeless. Your kids are, too. Now, we make these assumptions, I think, for a variety of reasons. Most of the time, I think, out of a deep sense of self-preservation. Because if the poor are truly poor because of poor choices that they've made, or they're poor because they have a mental disorder, or they're poor because of situations that are in their control, then we can never be poor ourselves. Yeah, because we don't have mental disorders, we don't make poor choices, and we're not criminals. If the reality was that the poor are not poor because of their poor choices, but they're poor because of systems of human sin, and because of actions that are taken by powerful men who make choices to force them into poverty, then we are implicit in that system. And the reality is that we have become implicit in a system of human sin. And then the reality becomes that the poor are poor because of choices not that they have made, but because of choices that we have made. And that may be a little bit more than we want to carry around with us. I think that uh, when we make assumptions about the poor, we are telling on ourselves. And uh, if you walk around with nothing else, walk around with the knowledge that the hardest assumption to challenge is the one that you don't even know that you're making. I don't assume anything about the poor. I try to just assume that they're human beings, like me. That their problems are very similar to my own. If I think that having more money would solve my problems, then I assume the same is true for them. No, I think that uh, the reality is that we assume the best about people who look and act and live like us. And we assume the worst about people who look and act and live differently than we do. But all of those are still assumptions. What do we assume about God? 
What do we assume about the church? What are our expectations? Maybe that's a better way to frame it. Uh, Paul Nixon, the Reverend Paul Nixon, writes about this a lot. He writes uh, in one of his books, I think, uh, 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 he writes, he, he wrote a book called I Refuse to Lead a Dying Church. <laughs> kind of, he put the whole book in the title. Uh, but he wrote, uh, in, in churches of low expectation, the staff have low expectations for the membership. The membership has low expectations for the staff. And everybody has low expectations for God. In a church of high expectations, the opposite is the truth. Is the truth. Nathaniel has expectations for people who are from Nazareth. He has assumptions. Jesus knows the truth about Nathaniel. He, 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 he busts him up a little bit. But Jesus knows the truth about Nathaniel. He confronts his expectations. Nathaniel is amazed that Jesus saw him at some distance and knew who he was. Jesus says, if, if that's your expectation for God, you're in for some, you're in for some very interesting adventures. You're going to see some things that are going to blow your mind. You're going to see the heavens opened. Manage your expectations. And by that I mean, have high expectations. Have high expectations for St. John's Church. I have no hesitation when I say that this is the finest church that I know of. Have high expectations for each other. But above all else, have high expectations for God. Because God is real. This is true. Jesus loves you and has conquered death. Manage your assumptions. And uh, remember that the ones that are hardest to challenge are the ones that you don't know that you're making. Our uh, life together is going to be marked by some pretty unbelievable miracles. You will miss them if you have low expectations for God and each other and me and our church. You'll see them if you remember to check your assumptions. Uh, you'll see things that are unbelievable. Uh, you'll see things that will carry you through from day to day. Your life will be filled with mercy and goodness and abundance. And you'll be surrounded by love and fellowship, which is the best thing any of us could ever hope for. Let's manage our expectations this week in the right way. Let's have high hopes and high expectations. Let's have high hopes and high expectations for a little football team from Detroit, Michigan. Hasn't won two postseason games since 1957. I've been a Detroit Lions fan my whole life. I've got assumptions for their defense that I need to check. <laughs> Let's have good assumptions for each other. Yes, good things can come from Nazareth. Yes, uh, little boys and girls from Grand Rapids, Michigan can change the world. And yes, churches such as this can save lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.